Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, gopowercat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to a special edition of the Power Cat Questions podcast. Becky and I snuck out of town this week for a little downtime, but you never really stop working, so I pre-recorded this edition before we left. And I think you're really going to like it. And if you're a subscriber at GoPowerCat.com, you know what this is, because I ask you on Wabash Station for your questions that I should ask Kansas State Athletics Director Gene Taylor. It's been a weird year in college athletics. There are so many hot topics to discuss with K-State's AD. And, of course, we are sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Our segment sponsors are Tanner's and the High Low. Make sure you are supporting local businesses whenever you're in Manhattan. And now we welcome in the Kansas State Athletics Director, Gene Taylor. Gene, thank you for taking time. Hey, it's good to be on. It's been a while. I know. I know. It's The world changed so much in the past year. I don't know if I'll, uh, when I come back into it, it, if I'll handle it well. It's it's going to be so strange. I'll be in a press box and I'm like, who are these people? Yeah, you're right. Well, uh, coming out of COVID, what is the state of the athletic department's budget and, you know, how how's the department doing fiscally? Well, you know, I think we've come out of it um, about as well as we could have hoped for. Um, you know, we're, we're certainly going to be facing a deficit, but Based on what we were predicting, you know, uh, last August, almost last summer, about a year ago, it's going to be much less. Uh, we were predicting and looking at, or I guess guesstimating, that we would be facing a deficit as high as $20, 25000000 million. And, you know, we're not going to come anywhere near that. It's still going to be big, but it's going to be a number that, you know, we can – you know, we can live with, um, and and we'll be able to manage it. You know, between taking some of our reserves and maybe even a, you know, we've got a line of credit that we have in place, and so, you know, we'll still have to replace those dollars over the next couple of years. But uh, it's going to be, you know, we're much better placed than where we were, where we thought we were going to be. Yeah, I I was thinking the worst for a lot of departments. I. I think you did a good job of managing it. I mean, what you could control, you did a good job with, and you didn't. Pay. Yeah, you know, it, it did. It, you know, obviously everybody pitched in with salary reductions and and furloughs, and you know, we did a we did it in a way that we try not to hurt somebody too badly on their paycheck, and we got fortunate we didn't have to lay anybody completely off. Um, and then there were some natural things that happened. Obviously, when the NSA shut out recruiting and and official visits and you know travel, uh, you know professional travel, all of that cuts down expenses quite a bit. Except for maybe everybody except Arizona State. I don't know, but um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But we were just some natural things, and then you know, just so we you know we just had a lot of reduction, and then that helped, and and you know just and then it also helped that we got ten football games in, and we actually played a college football playoff and played our basketball tournament. So those revenues, which a year ago we weren't sure were going to be there, were there as well. So all that helped. It's weird to think that uh, a year ago at this time, the thought of playing ten football games and, and getting in the playoff, no, there's no way. There was no way, and somehow it happened. You know that's amazing, and, and I, I, you know, this time of year, I'm kind of rethinking about, you know, what was I doing a year ago? And you know, a year ago at this time, we were meeting on Zoom calls with ADs once, sometimes twice a week, and you know, the conversation was very, very bleak. And you know, ADs saying, "Well, we shouldn't play, and we can't afford it," and say, you know, it was just amazing. Uh, that we got through it as well as we did, and you know, but uh, you know, the conversations between March 
in August really were really, really bleak and, and didn't think we'd play a down of football at all and wasn't sure we are going to get many basketball games in. So, um, you know, I would say it, it turned out as difficult as it was, it was turned out way better than we ever thought. I wonder what America would have been like psychologically if we hadn't seen football, college or NFL. I think it helped a lot. Yeah, I, I think. It. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you know playing sports, and if you go back to you know the issues across the country for years, you know sports kind of bring us back together and uh, get us out of the you know the doldrum of whatever we're facing. And uh, I think it helped. You know, we were we were we were kind of replaying, you know, where we were like in the spring a year ago. And I remember coming back from the Big Twelve basketball tournament after it was you know canceled and. Somehow we had a bunch of people that we had some people that stayed at our house because they didn't, you know, their work was shut down. And I remember the last one of the last events we saw was a high school Nebraska State High School basketball tournament. <laughs> we were just we were begging for sports. We thought, man, this is all we're going to be able to see between now and a year from now. But fortunately, worked out all right. Did the budget play a role in the decision to move the Stanford game to Arlington? And how tough a decision was that considering the potential economic impact on Manhattan? Well, it was, we, we talked about all of that, and obviously we started talking about the Stanford game moving before, you know, before COVID hit, obviously. Um, and, and anyway, we, but one of the things that we, was, we relied on was the fact that we were going to have eight home games. And, you know, seven is a number we've always tried to, you know, have here at home. And because we had that, uh, we had the seventh game, or we had seven. Even if we moved Stanford, it made it a little bit easier uh, because you're still gonna, you know, you're still gonna have hotels for seven games. You're still gonna have restaurants for seven games, like we typically do. And the guarantee was, you know, the number that we can't net at home. Um, and the fact that, you know, there's just a lot of positives of being in Dallas, not only for our athletic program and football in particular. But you know, the university recruits a lot of students there, so they were certainly on board and. You know, like I said, we're not going to do this every year, that's for sure, but if the right game, the right opportunity comes along, we may look at it again, but it'll be a while before yeah. we do. you got to got to have that eighth home game, basically. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, we, we, we love to have seven, and we've been able to have seven for a long time. You know, I, I think there's an out year coming up. We may only have six that we're working on, but um, <clears throat> that's just kind of how the schedule fell. But yeah. With the eighth game, it made a little bit easier decision. The indoor practice facility, I, I saw in your latest video that it's getting pushed back, and I've seen the plan, the plan surfaced for it to be across the street in Kimball. What is the exact status of it, and is it for sure not going to be in the east parking lot at this point? Uh, well, the exact status is we are still walking through and just about ready to complete our design development on both the indoor football facility and the volleyball and Olympic training center. Um, where we are in terms of getting it started is again, a lot is going to depend on material and, and budget. Um, we have, once we finish our design development, which I think we've got one more meeting, we'll put it out for some initial estimates from some various companies. They'll come back with those price tags. The biggest concern is is materials, uh, particularly steel, um, right now, and then the availability of steel. And so, because they're designed a little differently. If we have to start one, or we can only start one, we're going to start the volleyball venue, Olympic Training Center, because that's, you know, really critical for those those programs. Um, if we can do both, we'll do both. And we still are debating. We're weighing both options in terms of location, both the east side and across the street across Kimball. Um, there are some pros. Obviously, a lot of pros uh, for having it on the east side. There are also some cons from a parking perspective, obviously. And then there are some pros and cons of putting it across the street. So um, we are looking at both of those. And if we can start both of them, we will. Uh, it's just right now there are architects and some of the construction companies are a little nervous about getting material in time to start it when it needs to be started in order to get it finished. What's the general concept for the, the volleyball facility? How big of a venue are you thinking? 
Well, we're looking at about 3,500 seats. Um, you know, not really any premium or, you know, suite type things, nothing like that. Uh, but, you know, it'd be a very, very nice venue. It'd be big enough that if we, you know, could host regionals, we could. Uh, obviously, it'll have the complete, you know, coaches' offices, locker rooms uh, for our team. But then they'll have, you know, four visiting locker rooms so we can host tournaments. Um, <clears throat> it, it we would put some uh, capabilities of maybe doing esports in there some days from a technology mm-hmm. standpoint, um, which is something we we talked a great deal about. Uh, and then attached to that will be a new Olympic training center for you know weight room, athletic training center for all of our other sports, similar to the size of the football training center in Veneer. Um, we'll also have a, a big nutrition center over there as well. Uh, refueling station, and then we'll, we'll have some additional offices for our nutritionists and our mental health uh, staff. So it's going to be quite a facility. You know, again, those numbers we're, we'll get back in terms of the cost, but, uh, you know, we, we know it's going to be a little higher than the original estimate, you know, how many years ago when we came out with this master plan, but I think it'll be a price tag that we'll be able to afford based on where we're fundraising is. And, and that facility facilities will run basically from Cat Town down behind left field of the baseball facility, correct? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Cool. and that will take that won't take up any current parking. We will have to adjust the road a little bit, and it'll be will be a few spaces that will be messed with, but we'll be able to pick those up mm-hmm. in some other locations. And track now, if if indoor football's pushed back, indoor track is naturally pushed back. What's the plan for the the former or it's still current indoor facility right. and how it'll become an indoor track? Yeah, uh, and that's that's part of the B equation, uh, Fitz, to be honest with you, is because of the situation at Ahern, we don't know the viability of that, um, you know, uh, in terms of long term. So they wouldn't have, we need to figure out a way for them to have an indoor. But if we, when we build the indoor, it's not an if, it's when we build the indoor in football, um, the current indoor will be turned into an indoor track. Uh, what we'll do is we'll come in and buy a banked 200-meter track, um, Price tag on that, you know, we did it at Iowa when I was there. It was about two and a half million bucks. I'm sure it'll be, you know, two and a half to three million. We'll put in some bleachers, um, and then eventually we'll come back in and add to that building some locker rooms for both the men and women's track programs and all that sort of thing. Um, but I think initially we'll we'll pull up the turf, and then we'll put down a, a bank track. We'll also put some running lanes in there on you know just some straight lanes uh, for them to work out. But it'll be a be a, a you know probably at the end of the day a four million dollar project just to get it up and running. But uh, something we can do fairly quickly. And that will. I'll make it a really cool track facility. I mean, it will be a tremendous track facility. Plus, we'll be able to host indoor meets, which we typically just can't do right yeah. now. We get a few, but we'll get some with a bank track because everything's based on times and all that stuff. We'll get teams that want to come here and run. Uh, when we did it at Iowa, we went from not being able to host to hosting some really big track meets in the month of January. Yeah, that'll be absolutely awesome. It's, it's Trying to figure out those dominoes and how they fall has got to be part of a headache here, trying to get everything lined up. Yeah, it is, and that's why you know we we need to get the indoor built. It's just a matter of what, what the time frame is on that. It's not that we're not going to build it. We will build it. It's just if we can get them both started in early January, uh, in, or in January of 22 or early 22, I should say, we will. If we can't, then we'll start the volleyball first as a priority in Olympic Training Center and then you know, get to the indoor at another date. One more facility type question from our users or subscribers at Go Powercat. What went into the decision to move the band back to the student section, and what are your plans for that kind of cool little corner that the band was in? Yeah, you know, it was a conversation of, of just, you know, kind of looking at how do we enhance the game day experience to bring, you know, more fans back after COVID. Um, Dr. Trace has, you know, he enjoyed the area over there that we that we kind of built when we built the connector. Um, but I think his kids and his and his band members and, and him kind of miss being within the student section. Our student section the tickets were really lagging behind, and so we thought, well, let's move them back over there so we can generate some additional student ticket sales. And then what we would do is turn the current location into just a general mission seating area. We looked at some 
you know, in venue, maybe a corner we could turn it into kind of a, you know, beverage, you know, sell beverages in there. Just didn't, wasn't going to work this year. And we didn't want to do too much uh, from a physical standpoint of changing the section in case, you know, the band thing didn't work out or right. people wanted to move back. So it, it, I would I would tell you it's maybe a one-year experiment to move it back in the student section, but if we can keep it there, then we'll look to see what we can do with that corner section that, you know, I don't know if we could turn it into, you know, the um, uh, what's the one corner on the west side, uh, that, that kind of entertainment area or not, but um, Wabash Landing area. Yeah. But but we'll see. Um, you know, I, I, I think there will be some fans that will love having the band in there. I know the students will. Um, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how, how it goes. But, Frank, Dr. Trace really wanted to – move back in there if he could this year well i was all in favor of moving the band so that the acoustics of it the more people in the stands could hear but i think it was a mistake i mean looking back now i think the student section has suffered for not having the band part of it and just kind of keeping the students involved and i think that might be part of the reason why we've seen them get up and leave at halftime is it well that's exactly what we talked about. Those were some of the reasons we talked about doing it is to keep them in, in the stands. And, you know, if they did leave, at least it doesn't look quite as bad on TV with the bands, you know, still <laughs> still there. But, but no, you, you hit it on the, the nail on the head as we, we talked about all those things as to why to move it back. What's your reaction to the college football going to a 12-team playoff probably in 23? Well, you know, I, I think like everybody – it, it, you know, it's exciting to you know think about it because then you know opportunities to get in that tournament it would be huge in terms of you know you're not hoping to get one team in you might get two teams in from a you know power conference um, you know I think there are some things that you know player safety and health is is one issue going from you know a few more games for a couple of teams right you're not it's not like 12 teams are going to play 17 games. <laughs> And and you think about it right now, you've got a 12 game season. You've got a you know conference championship uh, for two teams, and then some sort of bowl game. So they're already playing 14. Um, you know, if a team that doesn't go to conference championships already playing 13. So you know, some teams will play 14, some a couple will play 15, and then a couple will play 17. And I, I was reading an article today that. <clears throat> You know, a lot of players like, well, you know, we play a lot of games in high school to get to the state tournament, mm -hmm. and you know, the FCS already does it. But you know, I think the opportunity to give more teams access, I think it'll make the general, the regular season much more interesting, particularly when you get into October, November, because of the number of teams that could possibly make the, the twelve. Obviously, from the revenue standpoint. It's going to help, you know. Now, you know, one of the questions is: Okay, the athletes are playing more games. So what are you going to do to get more? You know, how can the athletes benefit from that? And I think those are some things that have to be worked out. And the, just the general bowl system, what bowls might be affected negatively by this? And so, I think that's all the details that the, the football committee is going to have to work through over the next several months. But. Generally speaking, I like the I like the thought of it. How daunting are some of these challenges that are coming out of the courts right now, including the Supreme Court ruling that <laughs> talks about paying players and it needs to be done, and it it could change the landscape of college athletics forever. And I'm not sure it'll be great for the student athletes, the ones that do get paid. But is there a threat here of losing a lot of opportunities for student athletes because it just won't work in the budget? Well. You know, if if we have to we have to pay them, you're right. I think that's that's the thing. Um, if that's where we will have to, you know, sports could be affected, and how many sports you carry. As you know, right now, football and some basketball programs subsidize every other sport we have, um, and and I think that's a very valid point. Um, now, with the name, image, and likeness, you know that you know. Could affect our budget a little bit, yes, maybe, but a majority of that money is going to be coming from other sources to to the athletes, whether it's social media sources, whether it's uh, some sort of sponsorship, um, you know, out, outside of the athletic program. I mean, those are those are things that I think um, are in a lot of ways good. You know, I think our athletes for the longest time should have been able to profit off their, you know, if they're a musician or if they're an artist or if they're a clothes designer, you know, social media, if they can profit off that, 
you know, good luck to him if you're a golfer and you want to give lessons. I mean, those kind of things I've thought for years we should have allowed our athletes to do. So those kind of things won't affect us directly. If we have to share our revenue or if we have to turn them into employees, that, that's a whole different ball game, And that's the thing we're trying to avoid. That's why we want the feds to step in and mm-hmm. help us with the name, image, and likeness legislation, which I think they will. When you, when I talk to our senators and other senators, other ADs have talked to their senators, I don't know of any that want to pay them directly. They do like that, um, that difference between a professional athlete and a collegiate athlete, um, but they do think that the athlete should be able to share more in some way, shape, or form off of their name, image, and likeness. And, you know, I think if we can find a way to do that, then I think you can still, you know, have the differences. If we go to where we have to write them a check and they, it's going to be different. And then even the name, image, and likeness, they're going to face some things they've never faced before, like, you know, dealing with contracts and dealing with companies and, you know, balancing another, you know, busy schedule and paying taxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of things that they, you know, in their world right now, they don't have to deal with. And, so we'll see how many of them want to deal with it and how many of them do it successfully. Yeah, that's going to be – there's a whole bunch of accounting that's going to come in for athletic departments, I would imagine, and student-athletes. Yeah, I mean, very much as, so. As I've discussed, I mean, essentially they get paid a scholarship and room and board and food, and doesn't that all become income if, if you look at this? Well, right now – you know, because of the, the ties to education, the scholarship, you know, uh, even the cost of education that we started giving a couple of years ago, you know, when they were getting, I think our kids get full scholarship athletes get about 600 bucks a month um, above tuition fees, room board and books. Right. And so that was a good thing. And, and that was something that we needed to do. Um, and those dollars aren't considered taxable. Uh, when you get into outside sources providing revenue or income, then those are going to be taxable. Mm-hmm. And so, um, anything that they get from social media, anything they get from, um, you know, giving lessons, anything they get from doing a camp or any other sort of money that they get, they're absolutely going to be taxed on that. They're going to have to sign contracts. There are going to be unscrupulous people out there that are going to take advantage of these athletes. Um, I, I think you'll be surprised that there will be a lot of athletes that will be like, I'm not doing that. It's, yeah. You know, it's too much too much dang work. But there's going to be some. July 1st, you will see story after story of athletes that have already signed deals um, with, with you know, marketing companies or whatever to – and it probably won't be hundreds, but there'll be some that'll be making you know some money that'll be eye popping in some cases. Interesting. And what exactly is the athletic department doing to help student athletes with this NIL issue? Yeah, we uh, we've hired a company called uh, Open Doors. They're one of the. There's a couple out there, Influencer, Open Doors. There's several. Open Doors was one of the early ones. We actually hired them back in January and just started working with them, but there were so many unknowns, right? We didn't know if we were going to have a state law, what the state law was going to be, whether the feds were going to get involved. So we really couldn't do a lot with it until recently. And so what we did, we brought them in. Um, They walked our staff and coaches through kind of their role, how they were going to help us as a department. Uh, Then we brought in the various groups of athletes, the football group being one, and then all the other athletes. And we walked in. They walked them through, you know, their brand and how to build their brand and what things they should, what are considered good brand images, whether, you know, how they're, you know, their various social media accounts and how they're structured and what their names are and, you know, any going back and saying you need to go back and look through all your old tweets and if anything's inappropriate, you need to take it down and really helping them through how to build their brand more than anything. Um, and then just uh, we, we had our compliance person stand up and talk to him about what we think was going to be allowed and not allowed. <clears throat> and so that was the other day. And then last night or yesterday, or maybe sometime this week, we brought over our folks from our business school uh, and our finance school to just talk to the athletes about, you know, how do you 
how do you do a set up an LLC and and what are some things we're actually talking about our faculty members they may start an NIL class on campus that'd be open to all students you know just trying to educate them as much as we can because that's right now about all we can do for them is educate them and guide them to a point and then at some point we have to let them go out and do these things on their own kind of offer them some kind of protection I mean you're right there yeah. people just out there trying to get a buck off of them. Yeah, we've already heard stories, not with our athletes, but across the country. The one that I've heard that, I, again, I, I think it's pretty credible, is that some of these athletes have signed deals with gaming companies to play, you know, online gaming and get paid. And, you know, once July 1st rolls around, they'll sit, you know, be able to do that. However, we also heard that in that agreement, and they don't know it, but they've signed away their name, image, and likeness rights to this company, these companies. So, mm. again, that's where you get nervous, and you you need to help your athletes understand. Please get representation. Please get representation from somebody you trust. You know, some of those kind of things. So, is this a slippery slope, or is that just a silly argument? There's nothing we can do. I mean, this is the world in which we live. Well, it's you know that kind of you know the train's down the station right now, and, and and we just have to learn to adjust. And you know, I, I I get coaches' concerns about oh goodness gracious, you know these some of these schools are going to have an advantage, and boy, you know, well, unfortunately, <laughs> we there are schools that have advantages, and we you know we have to work a little harder, you know, um, but they still can only have eighty five scholarships, right? In football, you can only have thirteen in basketball. You're only going to sign so many quarterbacks. So where's the rest of the quarterback? You know what I mean? So I think here at K-State, we can sell that we have a bigger advantage because, you know, you can go to a, another school and be the third or fourth stringer and not be able, to be able to build your brand or come to K-State and maybe your freshman or sophomore year, you know, Deuce Vaughn, his brand's built pretty well. Yeah. You know, if he'd have gone somewhere else, he may not have had that chance. And so – I think because we're a college town, we may, you know, have a chance to get guys to say, you know, maybe you shouldn't consider School X. Come here. you got a chance to start building your band a little bit earlier instead of your junior or senior year. So we'll just see. Um, I just I think we'll, we'll settle into figure out how to deal with it. The athletes will. And as long as we don't cross the line where they become employees and we're paying them, mm-hmm. I think that's the thing we have to really try to protect against. Okay, Gene, hold on. Let's take a short break while we hear from our sponsors. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions Podcast. And this week, we're talking to Kansas State Athletics Director Gene Taylor. And let's just jump right back into it. Okay, let's shift gears a little bit here. Are, what are you hearing about the next round of television rights? And could it set off another realignment of college conferences? Well, I think it kind of hard 
harkens back to your 12-team playoff. Um, I think with that being the case, uh, probably being a reality, is it will reduce that possibility. Um, I think the big before was, okay, we had to position ourselves so we could get one of the four positions, right? Well, now if it goes to 12, every power five is going to be guaranteed at least one, if not multiple, you know, maybe two, who knows? Um, and so I don't think you'll have to worry about, oh my goodness, we got to get, we got to put ourselves in a conference that we're definitely going to be able to get in. The money's going to be shared equally, right? So you can divide it by 10 or you can divide it by 14 or 16, which would you prefer? So I don't know. Now, maybe you, maybe there's a conference that, you know, that's non power five that, you know, sneaks up to a power five or the, you know, the AAC ultimately becomes considered a, I don't think that'll happen, <laughs> you know, cause there's still so many mm-hmm. uh, teams in that league that are not even close to, you know, central Florida. But, um, I, I you know, we've talked about it and now again, oh, you know, everybody's on the phone, ADs and presidents and saying, Oh no, no, we're all in this together. <laughs> Who knows? Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, push come to shove. But I think with the, Comfort of knowing that we're always going to have one, if not multiple teams, not, not multiple, but probably two teams potentially every year. I think it gives us a little bit better comfort that you're not really looking to put yourself in a better position. And then, like I said, being able to, you know, um, split it 10 ways instead of multiple ways. And then, you know, I, I do think, the 12 when the 12 takes effect is going to be based on when this TV contract, um, whether it starts in two years or whether it starts in, you know, four or five years. And, and for us in the big 12 right now, we, you know, kind of floated out the idea of starting our negotiations earlier. And right now our TV partners had said, we're not really interested in doing that right now. We've got too many things going on. So, well, and the whole landscape of, TV sports could be totally different in two or four years. I mean, we've seen the ESPN Plus now in the course of a year or two go from something we didn't understand to being fairly normal. Yeah. I mean, we kind of get it now. There's a lot of sports on there, so we're, we're used to the streaming. Is there a chance that a streaming entity will come in and really make a push for one of the conferences? You know, I think there could be. I, I still think it's a little ways away. You know, I still think the linear is still going to be a, a big piece of it, the ESPNs, the Foxes, and all those. But uh, but it also could be, you know, another addition, you know, to your negotiation. So you say, okay, do you just go with ESPN only, or do you say, okay, we're going to do so many games on ESPN, so many games on Fox, and so many games on Hulu? I mean, I don't know. I mean, those are things that I'm not – real uh verse in but um but I, I think it's part of the conversation mm-hmm. that i think we'll start to have and i i do think we're in a position because of the we were you know we created the big 12 now and you know granted it was frustrating and probably still is in some cases for our fans um you know i think big the espn folks are pretty happy with the big 12 because we were able to help them launch it and grow it and it continues to grow and you know, so I think ESPN is going to be very, you know, supportive of that when we come to negotiate, whenever that actually happens. But so we'll see. It's good, but you're right. I think you're going to be able to watch sports, live sports, in a lot of different ways in, in you know three or four years. How concerning is for the Big Twelve and Kansas State the fact that the SEC is going to be coming to ESPN on a much larger basis than it has in the past? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know that anybody's really been too concerned about it. I think as long as, you know, we continue to get, you know, the spots that we need to have in terms of coverage and, and times. And, you know, I know Joe C. was pretty upset about the 11 o'clock you know, time. No, that was a Fox deal um, in a Oklahoma-Nebraska game. But, you know, the, the networks are beginning to see that 11 o'clock spot as a primetime spot. Right. I mean, they're, everybody's coming out of your game day whether it's ESPN College Game Day or the Fox Show, and you know a lot of eyes on on that particular start time. But 
I, I think our, I think we're still get the coverage that we've always had. It's just a matter of, you know, can we continue to get the prime coverage, whatever that's considered now. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think they're going to take a big bite out of stuff. And, and yeah. now CBS has a card to play. It'll be fascinating to yeah. see what they do. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. They, you know, now how much, you know, how much they want to spend and, you know, all that is going to be interesting. When you're Kansas State or Washington State, or I can list some other schools that would be considered the smaller budgets in the Power Five, there's always a concern with, you know, a realignment and getting left out. Does, does the 12 team playoff? And the fact that people have gone back for the last 10 years and seen that K-State would have been in a couple times, even a couple years, when a year at least, when we didn't even think of ourselves as at Kansas State being a playoff team because 12 changes the context of it so much. Is it important that Kansas State find their way into the playoff and get back to that kind of visibility to ensure that people still view it as a legitimate Power 5 institution? Yeah, no, there's no question about that, and you know, I think, I think we we still are viewed as that. I mean, you know, compared to what it was before Coach Snyder got here, yeah. um, you know, we aren't a laughing stock, that's for sure. But we we have to continue to be successful. Uh, we have to continue to you know to qualify for NCAA tournaments. You know, have deep runs like we did a couple of years ago in the basketball and made it to lead eight. You know, or, or football. You know, needs to get back into. You know, no offense to the Liberty Bowl or the, you know, the the Cactus Bowl, or whatever it's called these days. We need to start getting into the, you know, the Alamo Bowl and the bigger bowls within the Big 12 and, you know, maybe the Sugar Bowl every once in a while. I mean, yeah, we have to position ourselves to start making, not every year, but, you know, those kind of, uh, you know, being in the you know, top 10 and as opposed to not being ranked. I mean, all those things are really, really important to position ourselves that if there is movement that we're, you know, considered a, you know, viable option. If it's not the big 12, it's for, you know, somewhere else, but, you know, so I think success and facilities, all those things are part of it. Um, and, and I think we, you know, rank right up there with a lot of, a lot of teams, but we do have to, you know, still be making noise uh, in postseason wherever we can. Yeah, exactly. Is there a plan for future basketball jersey retirements? Where are we at with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We talk about it all the time. Uh, you know, there's obviously, you know, the Jacob Pullins of the world that, you know, we just, I mean, his is just a matter of whenever he's done playing, um, you know, getting back here. Um, it's not a question of should does he deserve it and then are there others um you know we don't we we have a formal process but it's not like well we're going to retire a jersey every five years or every you know three years it's just um and let's let's take a look at it annually and are we you know we're ready to do that so um i think there's a couple of guys that you know a couple of basketball players that are probably very deserving at this point and we you know probably need to make it a little bit bigger priority you know, from a planning perspective, uh, the sooner the better. Yeah, there's probably some older guys that need to be considered for that to yeah. go back. Yeah, no question. And we have to look at all those. Uh, with that, Ring of Honor, when's the next thoughts on that class? For, you know, and that, yeah, that's a good one. Um, you know, as I sit here in my office today looking at the Ring of Honor, I don't know who the last one we put up there might have been. Jordy, I don't know. Yeah, it was the Jordy um, and Sproles grouping. Yeah, but they yeah, so. got another wave of guys who are eligible. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you obviously get uh, Sproles going in the College Football Hall of Fame. You know, this coming December, and, and there's some other guys that are you know potentially up for that. So yeah, we probably need to. That's another conversation we need to start looking at a little I, more seriously. We'll probably go back to '98 and get more guys than just Michael Bishop, yeah. and Seminole, and those guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure you're familiar with Ken, KNET on our side, who asked quite a bit about celebrating Kansas State's history and desegregation of the Big Six and kind of leading the way. Where are we at with some of those things, Harold Robinson and the many other athletes that kind of paved the way for others? Yeah, no, we, we've actually had a lot of conversation, not only uh, with athletics, but we with our folks across campus and what's the best way to do that. And so right now we're we're working through how we want to celebrate those with well not only uh you know whether it's at certain games uh by doing that or you know 
we'd like to put together, you know, uh, some bust of <clears throat> of some of those great athletes that that really broke the barrier, like you said. Right. And and um, you know, um, you know, we're calling it the Trailblazers Project, um, and just referring to them as Trailblazers because obviously you've got. You know, uh, I think the first black athlete in baseball, the first black athlete in football, and you know basketball. I mean, literally every sport. I think we were one of the first. So, and then just you know the, the stuff we've done on campus ever since. You know Martin Luther King speaking on campus, and so we've done a great job over the years, and we need to celebrate that. How we do it, and what's the most appropriate way. We're still working through that from a planning perspective, and and we are going to celebrate that. We are going to. You're probably going to start seeing some things this year at various games in recognizing that a lot more prominently, and then ultimately have actually have some physical um, uh, recognition of them in terms of either statues or busts or something uh, in these facilities as we can continue to update these facilities so a lot of that and then you know also campus is involved in how we're doing it uh with with in conjunction with some of our work with campus so still in the planning stages but you're going to see a lot more of that here uh, very very soon yeah because uh it's 70 years this year with jane wilson and uh squires at ku to break the color barrier so it's kind of cool yeah so we've talked about facilities. We've talked about breaking the color barrier. And in some cases, that happened inside a Hearn Field House. And that building is falling apart. It's not, you know, the university just doesn't have the funds to maintain it. The auditorium's been closed. Um, you guys need to get out of it as soon as you can, which is mostly volleyball and indoor track at this point, if I'm correct. Um, what do you think happens to the field house, the old barn? Well, it's a great question, um, and it's not an athletic building right. uh, in terms of who makes that decision. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it is there's a lot of history, no question, uh, particularly from an athletic perspective. But you know, that's where Martin Luther King gave his speech. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mean, it was the last college campus he spoke on before he was assassinated, and so there's some tremendous history there. Um, so that's going to be a conversation that uh, I I guess I'm glad I don't have to be a decision maker in that one <laughs> because of all that stuff. But uh, we are, like you said, we're we're building our facilities because we can't stay in there any, very much longer. Um, but there's a lot of need for classrooms and physical education space, and you know, can they go in there and repair it enough to keep it open, or do they? take good space and build something new. I don't know. Yeah. That's that's not a conversation that I uh, want to have to deal with. But you're, um, you're smart. You're right. There's That's a very tr- historical building, and I don't know what, what – and does that play a role, right? Does that – you know, I don't know. An interesting, interesting conversation. Yeah, I, I'm, you're smart to stay out of that one. There's going to be a lot of feelings. But I think a lot of people have come to the realization that probably have to repurpose – Hopefully save something, you know, Yeah. but yeah. instead of retrofitting, probably tearing down most of it, certainly the gym end of it and all that might be the best way to go. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there is, maybe there's a compromise somewhere that, you know, saves a lot of the history and you can still go in and fix it and make it a viable building. Where are you with the Nike contract? That's another one we get a lot and we've wondered about. I haven't seen anything new on it and it seems like it was expiring. Yeah, it it actually expires uh, in 2022, um, and so we had a window, negotiating window, that we were, I think, down a pretty good path uh, in January of 2020, and then you know um, it stopped, and when you know COVID really hammered us, and then so we, we kind of got to a point where Nike pretty much said. You know, guys, we can't do those big contracts right now. Um, and we said, well, okay. Um, we had hoped for, you know, a typical deal where you get a, you know, the, the, a decent amount of cash up front, and we get, you know, product increases and some of those things that, you know, I we had a chance we had a chance to work on right before I left Iowa. And so I was kind of using that as my base uh, in, in talking with our folks here. And they were much 
interested in that kind of deal. And then COVID hit, and they started laying people off left and right, and you know, shutting mm-hmm. some things down. And so we went back to work after you know several months, and agreed to instead of doing a long-term deal, we would just extend our current deal for a couple of years. Um, you know, I basically I think three years with the opportunity to come back in about 18 months and and start another negotiation um, based on where they might be. And, you know, there's some things, you know, in the market that that are interesting, right? Under Armour is not a player much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously we've got a competitor down the road that, you know, they're probably not going to negotiate with us. So mm-hmm. we're kind of... You know, we don't have a lot of great negotiation stance right now, but it, they're a good partner. They've been a, they 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 think of the world of K State. I mean, they 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 want to be a part of K State. So it's just a matter of. So we're going to sign an extension, which would be a three-year deal that would take us through 2025. Um, you know, with some additional stuff, not a lot of cash, just some additional right. uh, product and uh, money towards product. Um, it's just not going to be a big upfront cash or a 10 or 12 year deal. It'll be a short, shorter deal. That's work. That's in the plans right now. I don't know when we're going to lawyers are involved right now in terms of language, but, and then we'll see in 18 months if they're in a better position to, you know, strike a better deal for us. What's your thoughts on football this season? I'm really optimistic about football. I have a good feeling. You know, I, I do too. I, I, for a lot of reasons. Um, I, I just, again, you know, where we were this year, uh, last year, in terms of kids being on Zoom and not being here physically and not having the spring ball. And, you know, I think the camaraderie of the team is really, really tight right now. It feels like it when I see them working out and some of the things they're doing. Um, you know, the work in the weight room, which they missed last spring and this summer. All those things lead me to believe, you know, we're going to be a lot better off. And then you've got, you know, very veteran quarterback coming back. I think you've got some new additions with the transfers that we brought in and some new freshmen um, and the the continual um, job from the recruiting perspective. So, you know, I think coach is pretty optimistic and we'll see when we, you know, we get into fall camp, knock on wood to keep everybody healthy. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what we do as a conference. I don't think, you know, I think if you don't have enough players to play, you're either going to play with what you have or you're forfeit. I don't think we're going to do the, you know, the postponements in some mm-hmm. of those conversations. I don't know if you saw the comments by the SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, but that's basically what they've said is, and so, you know, vaccinations, where are we? We're probably 70% vaccinated with our, our football team right now. But we need to probably, hopefully, some of them may not get vaccinated. You saw what happened in North Carolina State, oh, which awesome. we don't don't get me into that one. But um, yeah, so I, I think we just we have a chance to be a lot better, and that's uh, that's our goal, and that's what we need. We need to be a lot better. Stanford game just feels big. It is uh, you, <laughs> that could yeah. If we go in there and then play really well and win that one, that could generate a ton of excitement. If we go on and lay an egg, then you know mm-hmm. it's not you know that won't be won't be comfortable. So, what kind of crowd do you think K State? What number of fans do you think we'll see in Arlington from K State? Well, um, I think early indications you know are are okay. They're not you know sixty thousand sold, but um, hopefully as the summer ramps up and as we get into the Big Twelve media days, and I think I think the the stadium goes on sale for single games here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, public single game sales. Hopefully that'll help. So you know right now it's just being limited to us and, and Stanford. And as you know, Stanford's not selling a lot. So, and I'm hoping we'll have, I don't know, 30,000 maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that's uh, kind of my thought. Yeah, I think that'd be, I'm sure they were hoping for more, but, you know, for us to, we'll see. I will, hopefully that'd be a good number if we get there. One final thing. Any concern that ticket sales will lag? I mean, people got in the habit of watching at home and, the habits have been broken now, whether it's going to athletics or church or so many things that some people may not come back. Well, yeah, it's certainly a, a conversation we've had and we've talked about, and that's why we're, you know, doing some of the things we're doing, whether it's uh, various pricing and, 
and uh, we're you know we're creating a power cap porch over there with you know some of the new south end zone work and you know right now we're 95 percent renewed to compared to 2019 so that's a good sign when you look around the country of sporting events you see people starting to come out and actually coming out in big numbers if you look at you know the omaha thing last night and just some of the early you know some of the early stuff happened right out of the gate so you know we're hopeful again that our once we put on our single game cells that those will you know show really good signs but that's you know if we go down and win the game at, in texas against stanford you'll probably see a big bump in in sales and people as long as they feel comfortable uh you know, coming in with a group of people that, you know, aren't going to be masked up, <laughs> that, <laughs> that they're okay with that. Um, so, yeah, I would I would hope we have – but you're right. I think there are going to be some people, many, you know, that are going to be like, you know, it's pretty comfortable watching here on TV. I can switch channels. I can walk two feet to get a beer and um, cold beverage, and you know what? It's pretty comfortable. So, But I hope we can generate enough excitement that they want yeah. to be – part of the stadium yeah yeah i agree i it'll, it'll be intriguing i'll be just fascinated to see how people bounce back and i feel like everyone's a little gun shy right now they're like yeah i'm uh, just gonna be cautious i uh, will it'll be fascinating but that stanford game's huge i hope a lot of fans show up i know a lot of people how, how much backlash did you get on moving that game uh yeah you know some but not as much as i uh, think I was expecting, to be honest with you. Yeah. Of course, the minute I say that, and your listeners are going, they'll start getting emails. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, but yeah, I think both people understood when we explained it, um, and then some people are really excited about it. You know, just it's Labor Day weekend in Dallas, and da 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 da. I think there's some. You know, I will tell you this: our alumni pregame party sold out like really quickly, and they're now looking for a bigger venue to host more people. So that's an indication. Hopefully, it is. That's a really good sign. Gene, yeah. Gene, I appreciate it very much. I know you got a lot on your plate, and I appreciate you taking an hour of your time to, to talk to me. Hey, it's been a while, and hopefully, like I said, look forward to seeing you in person uh, come September. I think you'll recognize me. I, I haven't changed much. I, it's still, still me. <laughs> you're still you're still that good-looking, yeah. studly guy that we always knew. I haven't dropped 150, but, maybe, you know, I've got time. I could drop 150 <laughs> between now and kickoff. <clears throat> Gene, thanks, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Fascinating times for K-State sports. Gene was really generous with his time. That was great. I'm sure I missed some topics. I'm just really interested to see how fans bounce back from the pandemic year and how they respond. Full capacity, no masks. Let's go for it. Let's see what happens. Well, I hope you enjoyed this special edition of the Powercat Questions podcast. We appreciate everyone that asked posted the questions that I asked. I didn't name everyone in the podcast, so it didn't get kind of clunky, but you know who you were, and I kind of merged some topics too. And next week, I don't know that we'll have a questions podcast because all of us will be in Dallas slash Arlington for the Big 12 Media Days. We'll see what we can come up with for content from down there, but maybe we'll take a week off from the podcast, or maybe we'll figure it out. I don't know. Until then, I'm Fitz. Thanks for listening to the Powercat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Thank you for listening to the Powercat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Powercat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Powercat.com.